Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 51 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes, and I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How we doing, buddy? Thriving, man. Yeah. How are we doing? It is a great day to be alive, is it not? Uh, I think there's a little more zest in this episode than usual, but yeah, it is a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be an Empty Betters listener. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. And now I'm going to toss it across the screen to our West Coast survivor, Mac Vogel. How are we doing, buddy? What up? What up? I'm chilling. I'm doing great, honestly, other than the fact that I'm kind of sore, honestly. I was rock climbing earlier today. Not something I typically do, but some friends invited me. I figured, why not? And it was fun, but I'm I'm sore. Outdoors or indoors? Uh, outdoors. It was like bouldering. It's not uh, f- for anyone that knows the jargon. It, it's technically called bouldering when you're uh, you're not hooked into any sort of like oh belay God. or anything. You're just climbing, and they're not like huge rocks. But what they do is they lay down some crash pads underneath you. That way, if you do fall, you're landing on a big pillow, basically. But it was cool. It was something instead different. Instead of like a, a rock. Yeah, you know, instead of your head getting gashed open, like on a rock but it was fun i'm sore now i'm drinking beer i'm doing good yeah i mean those pictures that you put up it was like your instagram story or something they looked incredible i mean the scenery was just unbelievable so that's awesome you got to get out and do that i was sore the other day because um my buddy and i pat have been um getting back out there and skating a little bit we've been getting the blades on you know gotta gotta love the blade gang and the invite I anytime, dude. <laughs> right, an invite requires you to contact. Right. It's usually <laughs> like Wednesday. He like he doesn't have to work on Wednesdays, so we usually go on Wednesdays. And there's just like this park. But you know what? I am around all weekend this weekend. If you want to, you know, uh, hit the tennis court, uh, you know, that's what we have to do down here. Not like you people up in Canada who can, you know, go in your backyard and let the garden hose run for four and a half hours. So, uh, but yeah, no. Speaking of sore, my feet were raw. Just because it has been so long since I put those things on and um, it felt so good to get back out there. It was just so much fun. I honestly would have to get new blades. I think the kind I have is like size eight and a half from like seven years ago and I can't squeeze that at this point. So uh, yeah, today is December 2nd, 2020. The biggest news headlines are that uh, we played a Wednesday night football game with RG3 as the quarterback with Des Bryant as the wide receiver one for the Baltimore Ravens. That game – Went as I thought it would, but unfortunately not in my favor. You're sure it's I, 2020, right? You're talking Des Bryant, RG3. Yeah. You sure it's 2020? Just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I read on Twitter that in 2012, Des Bryant was leading the NFL <laughs> yards and RG3 was rookie of the year, and here we are in 2020. Nice, uh, yeah. The other news is that Mike Tyson was the highlight over the past weekend in a fight, and an internet star uh, apparently knocked out Nate Robinson. So, I mean, it's a weird time to be alive. It, wow. I feel like we're in a weird way. We're moving forward. But like you said, Mike Tyson was in a fight. Like we're, we're literally just going back in time. So yeah. at this point, yeah. Uh, congrats, hey, uh, congrats universe. You win. But, but speaking yeah. of fighting, uh, <laughs> what? Oh, you know, what are you talking about? The Evander Kane thing? Yeah. That's so like what I'm talking about Evander Kane and that, um, Jake Logan Paul, Paul Jake Paul, I, like you guys, you guys know God. me. I'm, I'm mentally, I'm a 75 year old man. I listen to Leonard Skinner. I sit on my couch and I'm asleep by nine 30 at night. Like, I don't know who these TikTok, YouTube, yeah, no, you know, 
who these youths are like this just is like way- that uh you know you know how uh, maybe you have maybe you haven't but i've seen this twitter joke multiple times now where where girls will tweet like i'm too pretty to know who joe rogan is well guess what i'm too important to know who the fuck jake paul <laughs> logan paul i don't know i don't right. know fuck. i don't know who that is some mop headed like like i don't even know whatever i don't know you fight him I'll fight him. I don't give a fuck. This guy sounds like a loser. Empty, empty, we were talking about tag team versus Jake Paul main card. Calling loser. it now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good one. That would be a good one. Yeah. So, yeah. This is nuts. Basically what we've graduated to is a YouTuber knocks out a former NBA player. And now current NHL players are going at him saying, you know, basically we'll, we'll kick the shit out of you. I thought the best one, I mean, obviously we know Evander Kane has been back and forth with this guy was hall of fame. First ballot. Great guy. Robin Lander just going, I will fuck you up. And that's yeah. all he had to say. Simple, short and sweet. Yeah. To yeah. The point. It's true I, though. Why would he go after an, like, yeah, big whoop. You beat up an NBA player. Yeah. Like, aren't you not like supposed to hit girls or like, Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 sick league. Shit. All right. Well, that went down. Uh, yeah, as you guys could tell, it's a little slow in the uh, NHL news department. So just kind of going over the, the weekend happenings in December 2020, which is just the strangest time ever to be alive, apparently. Uh, big news for today's episode. Uh, very big news. I think I'm going to let Nick actually talk about this since most of the credit should probably go to him. So I'll let you take it. Yeah, we have an interview today. Uh, it's not like any other interview we've done in the past. Not that there's anything wrong with our past guests because we love you guys. You're fantastic. But we have a professional hockey player joining us. So this is very exciting. We're going to have a chat with now member of the Washington Capitals organization, Zach Fucali. So this was super cool to hang out with him, albeit virtually amazing guy just has some incredible stories and just the way he handles himself and the messaging he has behind, you know, where he's gotten in life is just incredible. I mean, I think we all felt just super inspired after getting to talk with him and it was just so much fun. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, um, he's a goaltender in the capital system now who was taken in the second round by the Canadians in 2013. So uh, it's hard not to like, just want to constantly talk about some of the players he's been with and the just the tournaments he's played in i mean these things are unreal but one thing during the interview that you i think will appeal to you guys is you really kind of get to know like the the personality in him and the human side of him and some of his stories about you know some of the things that have gone on in his career i think could really help a couple people and it resonated with me a lot so uh i can't we can't thank him enough for coming on it was uh definitely one of the cooler moments that we've had so far in this you know one year plus experience of doing this podcast. So uh, it's been, it's been pretty cool. And this was definitely nice to have. Yeah. Super thankful. Like they said for, for Zach agreeing to do this with us. And uh, we hope to do a lot more of this kind of stuff in the future, but um, Nick, I'll have you uh, just drop this thing in. Yeah. Do you guys want to just go to the interview right now? Yeah. Why not? All right. Sounds good. Uh, But before we start the interview, this interview is brought to you by Brackish Life. As guys from Maryland, we are constantly spending time near the water and woods in the diverse state that we are from. Brackish Life is your one-stop shop for the best outdoorsman gear to conquer all weather conditions. Go visit brackish.life to shop all the apparel. Thank you, Brackish Life, for sponsoring this interview and for becoming the newest sponsor of the Empty Betters podcast. And hey, uh, Harrison, I know you're a big uh, vocab 
vocab word guy, but uh, I just so you know, I pulled up the word brackish for uh, anybody that's unfamiliar with the word. And uh, just so we know, this is an adjective. Uh, the term is of water, slightly salty, as in uh, the mixture of river water and seawater in estuaries. That's also another good vocab word. And the secondary definition is of fish or other organisms living in or requiring brackish water. Yeah, I definitely had to do my homework after hearing about this, uh, but that's why we're going to take it to the interview right now. Alrighty, boys. Well, it is my pleasure to welcome on our next guest to this podcast. I am super, super excited to announce that Zach Fucali, uh, 2013 Memorial Cup champion, drafted in the second round by the Montreal Canadiens, and one of the newest members of the Washington Capitals organization has decided to join us today. Zach, welcome. Guys, thank you. Uh, good evening to everybody, man. This is uh, this is cool to be on. Yeah, definitely great to have you. So, uh, you know, this is this is very cool for us. We've been fans for a very long time, and you know, let's just start at the beginning. Let's talk about your you know playing career and how you got started. You know, in hockey. Um, you know, right from the beginning. So, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you first got into playing the game. So, I grew up maybe thirty minutes north of Montreal. Um, in the Laurentians and uh, yeah, man, it, I'm from Rosemary, Quebec, uh, French part here in, 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 uh, in Canada. And um, yeah, I, I grew up playing hockey. I started maybe five, six years old. And the year before I played hockey, I was actually doing speed skating. Um, th- that's how I got on. I first got on the ice and um, one of my, Buddy's dad's noticed I really like, you know, goalies and stuff like that and, and the hockey gear, pretty much the goalie gear and the helmets. And I really was a fan of Marty Berdur and, and Josie Theodore was the goalie here in Montreal. Actually, he played for Caps as well, but he was the goalie yep. at the beginning of his career here in Montreal. And um, for me, I there was just an opportunity for me to go in the net. Somebody didn't show up and my buddy's dad came up. Hey, Zach, I remember you like Marty Berdur. You want to try out being goalie? I don't know, I'm five, six years old at this point. And, uh, yeah, I just went in there, loved it, and uh, been a goalie ever since. Uh, there's been maybe one year in Adam I wanted to uh, go out and score some goals, which I ended up doing a few of those, uh, scoring a few of those, which was cool. And then uh, I went back goalie, and the rest is history. Here we are. So you just felt bad for everyone. You're like, I'm so talented that I can play net and score. I better just pick one. Actually, I don't know if that's what it was, man. I don't know if I would go that far, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that there was a moment where I wanted to just know the feeling of scoring a goal. And apparently, my dad told me this story again, which I didn't really remember. It was like that, but it didn't. In my head, it didn't go down like that. But apparently, the day before, like camps were. I was going forward. I go, you know what, Dad? I don't want to do it. Let me go goalie. And he's like, ah, you made a decision a couple months ago. You're going to have to live with that. And so I kind of had cold feet. But I ended up playing the year forward really fun. And But then at the end, I say, you know what? I'm I'm probably better off going. But I think I'm better as a goalie. And, and so a little bit easier on the lungs, I thought. But as you go in the – as you go higher in the – in the hockey world, it's not easier on your lungs to be. No, I'm sure that. it's not. A couple of five on threes and you feel it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so I'm assuming that, you know, you, you grew up 30 minutes outside of Montreal. So I'm assuming, you know, big Habs fan growing up, who were some of your favorite players? And I know you mentioned uh, Jose and Marty Brodeur. Were there any Habs specifically yeah. that, you know, other Habs that stood out? Dude. Uh, yeah, I was one of the biggest Montreal Canadiens fans you can imagine when I was a kid. And that's what kind of, kind of makes it crazy. I was drafted there. Um, yeah, I was, uh, Oh, my dog's being on. And yeah, well, I I, I liked Jose Theodore, obviously. Cristobal Huey was unreal in Montreal uh, before um, Halak and, and, and Carey Price came by when I got a little bit older. But, geez, man, my favorite players probably Saku Koivu, Alex Kovalev. Oh. When he played in Montreal, he was quite the force. Um, I don't know, man. I think Saku Koivu was a fan favorite for years here. He was our captain for me growing up pretty much. And uh, But there were some pretty great players. I enjoyed watching Alex Kovalev. My dad and I were fans too. Uh, so it was pretty awesome. He was awesome to watch. Just oh, so, man, was so, so ever, skilled. Yeah, pretty special breed. Did, uh, you know, was there any specific goalie when you were growing up that you were like, I want to play like him? Was that, you know, Marty for you? Uh, at a young age, yeah, Marty Brodeur was an inspiration of mine. And uh, as I grew older, I kind of diversified in that category. Uh, it's very strange now, but um, at 25 years old, I'm gonna I can say that I was in the same organization as Kerry Price, Marc Andre Fleury, and and uh, and now Henrik Lundqvist that I've looked up to for a very long time. And I, I think many many goalies in the world have looked up to these these all these sure. guys that that are shining right now in the NHL having quite the careers, but I think we've all kind of uh, grew up. Um, I say grow up, but, you know, 18 on really kind of um, looking up to these people, uh, these, these, these great players. Yeah, absolutely. So fast forwarding, obviously, you know, you say you, you start out playing goalie, you're from Montreal, you talk about your idols and I'm just going to fast forward a little bit for for the sake of time here. But in 2011, right, you get taken by the uh, the Mooseheads in the queue, and you're the 11th overall pick. So just talk about like how that experience was. I mean, when you look at this roster and your experience there, this is one of the most stacked rosters, arguably in junior history. I mean, what was that all like? Uh, honestly, the the queue draft is is it's pretty awesome because they make it just like the NHL draft. Uh, it's not like the other junior leagues where um, they just call you on the phone and say, hey, we drafted you uh, two hours ago. No, no, it's really cool where they set up the whole thing uh, on the rink just like they would in the NHL and there's interviews and stuff. Just one second. I think my dog is trying to find something. <laughs> no, she left, she left her little thing here. Uh, what are you looking for still? Oh, that's what you're looking for. Okay, here we go. Okay, sorry, guys. Uh, so, so, uh, so, yeah, they make it really, really professional. It looks really dope. And um, I, I was really, you know, fortunate to be picked by the Mooseheads because uh ended up that they had um, quite the young roster. We were all kind of up and coming and rebuilt really well. And all of a sudden – that year we had quite the explosion year. We were pretty much half the team was 16, 17, 18 years year olds. And the year after that, we were just, we were just too strong. I feel like we kind of grew up uh, 
quite a bit that summer, the whole team, and uh, just one year made what an incredible difference. And then we went on to have one of the greatest um, junior seasons pretty much of all time. So uh, it was pretty wild, pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll touch on that in a second and some of the some of the names you got to play with. But you yourself, I mean, <laughs> just an insane first year. You set a league record for most wins by a rookie with 32, and you made the Q all-rookie team. I mean, is there any, like, one factor that you can think that led to your success so quick, or how, how's that all go? Um, one factor that led to that much success, to be honest with you, I think it was opportunity. I was just there, and um, – there wasn't there was an injury, and I was at the right place at the right time. Uh, but I wouldn't attribute it too much to just pure luck. I'm gonna say that my my goalie coach and I, uh, the moment I got drafted, even before that first season started, we we started going on the ice, and he was putting me through the ringer, man, like pretty pretty much breaking my game down. And um, we repeated and repeated and repeated so many different movements to really. Uh, dial things in even before that season started and uh, no I really put in the work for that and um, the results showed I mean I, I just put my fate in in my fate in like my goalie coach and I just listened and, and um, I said fate but I meant faith in in my goalie coach and and he really helped me man like he just put some work ethic inside me um, and also same with my system just to play the game a certain way and next thing you know we were just winning games i get the opportunity to play and you like i said like you combine that work ethic we put in with the opportunity to play a lot of games and it worked out <laughs> we got a lot of wins that year at 16 so it's pretty pretty dope you talk a little bit about your your goalie coach there and i'm curious too i know you know, goaltending such a unique position, and um, a lot of it is obviously mental. And uh, I'm curious whether uh, there's one coach or or one one person that you kind of attribute your um, uh, success or something you've learned from one player, whether it is that coach or somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I've learned a a, a big. I'm not gonna. A big majority of how I play the game now has come from Eric Raymond. Um, my goalie coach from the time I became uh, a junior goalie. Uh, but I'm not going to say that uh, I attribute most of my success to Eric Raymond. It was very much alongside him, uh, uh, alongside together as a team pretty much, where he gave me a lot of hidden knowledge and I was I was just the one executing it. And, and that's kind of how that team um, – uh, kind of, how can I say this in English – pretty much that 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 vibe we created over some time where we just fed off each other I, he, I got the right information he knew me he knew how to feed me that information properly and it just clicked and and now after looking back I have learned from many many different goalie coaches I've I've been fortunate to get information from very very top class uh, goalie coaches in the world but Eric has been a source of of uh, of inspiration for me since I'm, I'm, I'm pretty young. So that's, uh, that's been a plus. Going back to that, uh, that 2013, uh, season in Halifax. I mean, you end up passing JS Jaguar for most wins by a Mooseheads netminder of all time during that season, you held a nine eighteen save percentage throughout that playoffs and you guys only lost one game. I mean, I, I remember watching those and I was like, this is just unbelievable. You that's guys absurd. Were, <laughs> you guys were steamrolling teams. 
what was that experience like? What was that playoff, you know, run like? And, you know, I, that was the Mooseheads first president's cup. Was it not? Um, it was, it was the first president's cup and Memorial cup that year. And, uh, <laughs> that was wild, man. I don't know what to say about that. You just said it. I mean, I didn't have to say it. You said it, uh, 16 and one in the playoffs. It was just, we were just ready, man. Uh, the coaching staff got us ready. We had the players. We had the the, the deep squad. We, we were just clicking. It just worked. It, it was just great, man. When you get on a roll like that, is it, like what's the what's the confidence level like in the locker room before a game? Do you guys just feel kind of unstoppable, or, or how does that work? You know, going into a game when when you guys have won so many in a row and you're you're really hot. There's one thing I'm going to say on that is that there were some times where we got on streaks, you know, and, and I remember a specific time where we, we were pretty hot. I mean, as you can imagine, we only lost eight that year. So it was a moment where we were pretty hot and we came back, we scored a couple goals, we won the period or whatever, and the coach came in and just just gave it to us for a while. And, and he was telling us, like, yeah, you may be up, you guys may be good, but you're going to start facing good competition. They're going to destroy you. And uh, next thing you know, this happened where he would just kind of, we would just veer off the course a little bit and boom, he would just bring us back to that kind of path. Right. And you you could still be winning, but not play the game properly. And that's where down the run in the playoffs where it really counts, you get sting, you get stung by <clears throat> big clubs. So uh, I think, we kind of have to thank our, our coach for that because he was very hard on everyone in terms of of um, the execution, how things had to be done, how you play the game. He always used this analogy, and my teammates would, if they heard this analogy, we would 100% all remember it. He would always say, hey, if you do the work right before your test, doesn't matter what the teacher asks you at the exam, you could, you could be ready to answer any question. It's about preparing for that test if you're not prepared you're scared if you're not prepared you're you you you're scared oh i hope he doesn't ask about this question i hope he doesn't ask about this question but if you do the work in practice you know your system you know how to play the game you play the game the right way they can they can throw anything at you in terms of questions you're ready to answer and that was an analogy that kind of stuck to me and and i guess it's a good life lesson because it can apply to many many different things but um yeah, our coach put us back, and we could get hot during the season. He always brought us back, even though we were winning, not playing right. That That's probably a big reason why uh, down the stretch where you, you look at our record in the playoffs because we were kind of conditioned <laughs> to the fact that you didn't deviate. And when you did, he brought us back. So we were conditioned a long, long before we actually had that success, period. So – I mean, this might be stating the obvious, but I think another big part of the success is, I guess, hindsight bias. But if you look at some of the names that you played with now, uh, I mean, holy crap. <laughs> uh, can can you talk a little bit about like what it was like to play with McKinnon, Druin, these guys? I mean, I, they were arguably one of the best, if not the best, duo in junior history. Yeah, and, and you say duo, but we were very, very deep. We were much deeper than two players. Fair uh, point, yeah. If you can go down that roster, I think our, our third and fourth line guys even had 20, 30 goals. So, um, wow. We were very deep squad. I mean, Nate and Joe, obviously. Like, This is why I, this question 
kind of bothers me sometimes because at the end of the day, it's like Nate and Joe, like I, I answer this question and I don't, I'm not giving you any new information you didn't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you guys already know they were great. You, you knew we got a lot. We got the chance to play with them and they were part of our team, man. It didn't matter that they were playing at that level. They were just contributors to the same cause. And, um, it was great for me as a goalie. It gave me that challenge every single practice. If you look at the roster, Jesus, I got shots from uh, <laughs> from some pretty thought players out there. So no, I'm I'm lucky guy, and uh, I was pretty privileged. But uh, yeah, they were <laughs> great players to have on the team that year. Uh, you can you could probably imagine that. I, Just, I mean, Marty Furk can shoot the puck. What 109 miles an hour? Apparently, yeah. according to that skills competition. And so. I'll tell you something for free, guys. Um, in junior, it wasn't that far off from what he did last year. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't get that much faster. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, this awesome. guy would abuse my shoulders, and and I I would get hurt very frequently from shots. I'd get some bruises from him. So I I was originally going to save this question for later, but I feel like it would be appropriate now. I mean, why why would you why would you wait for later? You? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like. This is kind of a loaded question, and there might not be one answer. But, like in your career, who's been the hardest like shot to stop? In your opinion, I think that's one that all like the fans would want to know. Um, that's a man. That's a good question. I mean, there's there's a lot of good shots out there. Marty Furk's got a really really good shot. Uh, Max Pacioretty has a has quite the release. Like, um, I mean, I, I it's tough to answer because loaded question. I mean, yeah. look, this is. Uh, now you said stating the obvious earlier, but I might be stating the obvious. I've seen a lot of shots in my life, and, and this is not—it's not like a—it's not a brag or anything. It's just—it's tough for me to just sit down right now and think, okay, well, I got shots from this guy. And this yeah, guy. like there's so many good freaking no, I get shots, you. man. Like, so let me, especially nowadays, like Mac, like especially nowadays, Jesus. These sticks, man. It doesn't matter if you're good or not. They just come off your blade. And I, I think some of the most deceptive shots are going to be the ones that are the hardest. Let me refine the question just a little bit. And I've always been curious of this from goaltenders in general, but um, I'm curious, you know, you're in the middle of a game and, and whether it's a breakaway or whether it's a power play or whatever, there's an offensive threat. Do you always know who is shooting or is it just another shooter to you at the end of the day, you know? Um, it's happened many, many times where you do notice who it is, um, from like the scouting and the, the, you know, preparation before a lot of times with the tendencies, you have to be able to identify these people on the ice, you know, and, and, and their own tendencies personally, but it has happened, man, where sometimes you get in a zone and honestly, it doesn't really matter where you're, you're just focused on certain things in your game you're just doing them and doing them and sometimes it's like that where you just don't notice who the shooter is and you get scored a goal or two or, or whatever and you know after the game they come to you and talk about a play you're like oh that was you you know like you right. don't, you don't like but there are some games where you're kind of really dialed in on who's shooting some no like I, I wouldn't be able to say um one happens more than the other it's actually a good question because i i don't know so going back to that Memorial Cup experience, I mean, that's just, it's one of the hardest trophies in 
all of sports to win. Not only are you beating, you know, you're winning your league and then you're going to beat two other teams that beat their league and then a host team that's been preparing for this moment for, you know, up to a month at this point. You know, what was that experience like? It was very special, you know. Um, not once during the season did we actually mention the Memorial Cup War. We might have mentioned it during camp. Hey, look, this might be our objective. If we're good, we can get all the way there eventually. But then after that, we never really mentioned it. Uh, it was it was kind of just like, you know, in the back of our heads. Well, we didn't really mention it, but it was just there. Um, and And then all of a sudden, it happens, and you're there, you know, and we're in the final against Portland, and freaking sick club on the other side you look at their lineup and it's like jesus these are like all first round picks on the other side and it was uh quite the battle uh quite the game and um like you said it's very very hard to even participate in that type of game you have a certain amount of years you're eligible to play junior and then you have to win your league if you're not a host and got to go through these teams to get to the final and you know, we were fortunate to 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 just be prepared for those types of situations, and honestly, the feeling is is really unlike any other because it it is quite the journey to get there, um, and it's a very special trophy. Uh, it represents a lot, and at first, um, I didn't realize this, but this was the first time Halifax even had the chance to do that, so it was very very cool. What was the uh, the reception like when you guys brought it back there? I'm sure it was just incredible. Oh, it was really dope. There was thousands and thousands of people <laughs> at our parade. Honestly, I can't <laughs> tell you how many thousand. I think on a past podcast, I might have said six or seven. But wow! At wow. some point, you 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 you. There's a certain number where it could be either ten thousand or it could be seven thousand, seven hundred thousand. You know, and you wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> yeah. It's just, sure. It was a lot of people there. And um, it, it, it so happened to be my birthday that day where we were uh, doing the parade. I'm on stage and I had all these 10,000 10, to 175,000 people singing my birthday. But no, I know so that's cool. an exaggerated number. It could have been a few thousand. But yeah, it was really it was a dope moment. That's awesome. So you end up, you know, finishing with, you know, what's just an incredible career as a moose head. I mean, you're the all time leader in regular season wins, playoff wins and shutouts. Uh, and then you move on to Quebec. What was that transition like? Um, the transition was very strange to be honest with you, because I was at uh, the world juniors when the trade happened. And so we end up winning that. And I go back to Halifax cause I was traded during the tournament. So I had to go back get my stuff, my car and all these things and say goodbye to my bill and all that. And, and it was very strange because, I had kind of a, 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 I dropped a puck. I did a ceremonial puck drop for like the World Junior celebration, and also the fact that it was my last time I was going to be in the in the Scotiabank Center. Um, actually, I, I I don't think I've been back ever since, and it's it, it was very strange moment because as as up to this point, I, I only thing I knew about junior hockey and everything that revolved around my life in terms of high high end hockey was. The Halifax Mooseheads. Like that, that, that's all I really knew. You know, I would go to the Team Canada and come back, but that's all I really knew. So it was very strange that all of a sudden it was kind of ending and I had to go somewhere else to play and uh, put on the new jersey. And it was it, it was pretty strange. I, I wasn't very good in Quebec during the end of that season. I really wasn't. I didn't have a really good end to the season. It was very strange for me. I might have had a little dip in energy from after the World Juniors, um, which is not uncommon. Uh, but yeah, I, 
I'll be honest, it was just strange for me. I don't know if I had trouble transitioning with that. Ended up, though, that uh, they didn't start me in the playoffs. And Callum, uh, young goalie, he's very good. He's pro as well now. And uh, he started in the playoffs, and I sort of got the opportunity to get back in that game three or four, and uh, then I just kept rolling. We went all the way to game seven in the final. Uh, so I found it back. I got back in there and found the found the rhythm, found the feel again, and uh, found that competition. I, I don't know if I needed to be in the playoffs to get back in the, the, the form, but it was, it was really dope, and that run was so sick, man. We had such a good team. Quebec City is an unreal place to play, man. Fans for days and uh, really, really passionate people there. And next thing you know, we go to Game 7, double OT against the Rimouski Oceanic, pretty much. Other than, if I'm going to say, Shikurumi Sagnier's, um, Rimouski is like one of the biggest rivals of Quebec. And now we're in game seven of President's Cup, double overtime, man. It doesn't get more like wild than That's that. That's it right the night there. Before, dude, that was the – for sure it's in the top three most exciting like moments, hockey, like time of my life. I, I, I'm going to – I'm not even hesitating to say that. It was the most intense feeling to be in such a game like that, like the night before we, we were up two goals away, I think six or seven minutes and we were winning that cup. Like they, they, we were up and we ended up losing in overtime the night before this game. And it goes, it's one, one and we're double OT man. And, and I remember I made a couple of saves in the first overtime that really, really, really got your heart racing. And next thing you know, uh, (laughs) Uh, we lost, man, but it was one of the most incredible experiences uh, to be there. And then we went on to the Memorial Cup because we're, we were the hosts um, that year. And it was it was wild. It was just wild. Uh, really cool ending to my junior career. But it was strange when I did have to deal with that transition. I talked for the past five minutes here. I know. I realize that. But um, it was very strange transition. <laughs> but it, it, ended, it ended up like really well with Quebec like it was it was a really dope run looking back okay we can all say it sucked that we lost but looking back at our lives we got to live that type of stuff that's that's pretty wild so you talk about uh, I'm actually interested you said you know you made a couple of saves in that overtime that really got your heart racing and uh, much earlier you mentioned uh, when you had kind of ventured out to try forward that one year in, in Adam hockey um you wanted to know what it felt like to score a goal. I'm curious, you know, a lot of, a lot of hockey players that are not goaltenders don't know what it feels like to make a insane save in, in a really important overtime game like that. And, you know, how does that compare to, to me? It's hard to say, I'm sure since you haven't played a lot of forward, but how does that compare to scoring a goal in the moment? Do you know, you're like, oh, wow, I just did that. Is that a really like humbling moment or what does that feel it is it is it's a a really good question that we don't talk about a lot because we don't really talk about the emotions of the goalies the goalies are known to be you know in these situations or like straight face poker like yeah don't like calmness you know like um in these types of situations like a lot of times we'll talk about players like oh yeah we feel very comfortable with him very confident he makes us feel relaxed and stuff and but um, as a goalie, yes, you do feel relaxed. Like when you're in that zone and you're in it, you do feel like kind of time slows down. However, we're talking about these specific saves. 
these are big moments in games and and we know that like uh we know very well when you make a big backdoor stop you go to the other end and you score a goal you can't win the game no matter the heroes no matter the the the, the nice move the shot to score the goal it's an amazing feeling obviously to end the game but uh on the other end there there is something to be said about making even a routine stop that could completely just not give you a chance to win. Like every save is so important in a hockey game. Um, whether it's the simplest difficulty to, uh, you know, a routine glove save with three seconds left in the game. Like there's a lot on the line when you're a goalie and, and, and a save is, it makes you feel real good when you contribute to a win, especially a tight win. I'm going to say this, like in hockey, I, I, I don't play for myself. Like I, I, I just don't. I don't get shot pucks at my throat uh, every day, just for myself. Like I, <laughs> I don't gain anything like super great when I get you know pucks to the head. You know, <laughs> no. So I, I can easily say that I'm a goalie not for myself, but for the feeling you get when you get back in the room on a three-two win or two-one win or four-three like really tight, tight, tight game. That's what I'm chasing as a, as a person, as a goalie. It's the feeling you get when it's all said and done. We're talking about those overtime saves. Like those are the feelings you want to to contribute to the team. It's not a selfish like, oh, I made the save. It's not that. It's really a contributing a contribution to others, and that's what you know gets me going in a game. Even it's it's a tight game, you get that feeling, you know. For I sure, that. that's awesome. That's a great answer. Nick, I think you I think you had something that you wanted to ask about the the ramparts, no? Yeah, so uh that was like they what they said, unbelievable answer. Uh that Memorial Cup in Quebec, you talked about how Quebec City has some of the best hockey fans in the world, if not yeah. the best. I will never forget that. Uh, you know, specifically the game against Kelowna. Uh I believe Were it was you watching the, that? I was watching that live. My yeah. last junior game, you watched that? Yeah. So you remember not to the bring score? Up, yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's my last junior game. Yeah. That's uh that was a tough one. And Isn't I remember that unbelievable like vividly no, in the second hey, period. Look, we talked about all the wins, all this, all that. Like you look at like my junior career and, and our teams there, and you look at my last game, and what was my last game? A nine two ass whooping, man. <laughs> like we got killed. Like we straight up. <laughs> Straight up got killed, man. But you know what the beauty of it all is? Uh, my coach, after five goals, I think he looked at me and he's like, are you done? Like, I think he called a timeout at some point. He came to me. He's like, look, what do you want to do? Like, you want to stay in? What's the deal? You want to get out? I mean, I could put you back in the last five minutes or whatever you want, but fuck, what are we going to do? You know, like he was just straight up asking me. You want to stay in, you want to come out pretty much. I was miserable in there. I was doing terrible. A team wasn't playing well. There's like uh, six guys with separated shoulders and freaking <laughs> broken knees on the ice. Like right. We went through a war with Ramuski and, and literally guys were playing with serious injuries. Like guys were being warriors out there and they just wanted to battle it out at the Memorial Cup. And I was sick like a dog at the Memorial Cup. I remember um, I had I had to have a special – room at the hotel so my mom could stay oh, wow. as well because it was like i was so sick i needed somebody to help me out so like 
anyway, long story short, I'm playing terrible in my last junior game and we're getting killed. And I decided I, I took, I tell, I told Bush, I said, win or lose, like it doesn't matter to me if I get scored 18 or like I've had, I've had great games. Like it's not this, that's going to change anything in my life. Like whatever, you know, you get killed, you get killed, whatever. And, um, I won, <laughs> I won there it you already. Go. You know, yeah. I mean, Hell not yeah. selfishly, but also like, I'm going to step out of this last junior game for my own pride in this when, you know, I can still finish it off with, you know, some balls, you know, like I took that option. It was harder to go through, but we got killed nine, two. And that was my last junior game. It was, uh, we still had the support of our fans, even though, you know, at some point they're really hard on us, but we still did it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, they, they definitely showed their displeasure for the officiating that evening. I remember watching, and there were a couple questionable hits, and I remember vividly. So you like, rewatched this, obviously. Uh, you rewatched this, yeah, uh, yeah, not long ago. Yeah. So uh, second period, they you know start littering the ice with stuff after I think it was Madison Bowie like choke slammed one of your teammates. Yeah, that was um, it. Was it got nasty? But hey, look, this was a this was a killer of a team. Like this was yeah. like. Talk about Kelowna that year. They were freaking sick. Um, they were loaded. And and the thing is, is we had an, an equally strong club, but we were like mangled. And and when I tell you guys were playing with injuries, like I'm I'm being serious. Like you <laughs> could look around and ask around. But hey, you watched it. Good for you because it's gonna take a lot for me to rewatch that game. Yeah, I don't blame you. For uh, I don't that know. One. I think I gotta wait another <laughs> 30, 40 years before I have to rewatch that one. But no, By it's good. I mean. You I'll buy myself it, a Blu-ray so. disc uh, 40 years from now, an old rusty one. And <laughs> I don't know, man. That's good of it. I mean, you came out of it with the right mentality. You're like, I won. You know, I've done this. I've been here. You know, who cares? So, I mean, that's awesome to no, hear. I mean, it's not that who cares. And and you don't mean that as well like, like that. Right. What I meant by that is like, I'm not going to give up on these last 20 minutes when right, exactly I've been through all those good times, you know, bad times, good times in junior. I, I've seen it roll and I'm just going to sit out the last 25 minutes because I'm not doing well. You know, I, I didn't want to be that guy. So I wrote it out and said, I'm, if, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here until the end. And yeah. Like I said, man, it took, uh, it took uh, for me to put away my pride a little bit because it was tough to get scored and uh, and sure. it was at home, right? It was a yeah. Miles at home. So. so backtracking a little bit from there, uh, I want to talk about the the draft, the NHL draft for you. So in 2013, you're taken 36 overall by the Habs, and you're the first goalie to go. Talk about that experience. What you know from where you grew up? What was it like to be drafted by that team? I mean, it, I was a fan growing up, so it was very, very um, – I felt very, very privileged, and uh, my whole family was super proud. I was super proud of it, and it was quite the accomplishment. Um, you know, I'm still chasing my first NHL game, but that's where it all started for me, and um, it, it was a great moment. Uh, a lot of a lot of kids get to live that, and it's something that they can never take away from you. Uh, but, um, for me, that was just the first step in, in quite the journey for myself as a professional. Uh, it, it's, it's a great feeling to be drafted. Look, let, let's, let's make that very clear. It's a great feeling. 
but personally, I wanted more than just that. And I'm still in that journey and it hasn't been easy for me. It's been up and down and, and a few changes in organization. But, you know, I, I hold my head pretty high because of um, because of the, 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 the journey that I'm that I've been going through lately is is I've learned a lot about myself and it gives me great confidence to know that I've been through some pretty tough times, too. And now it makes me feel really confident in, in, in my abilities because I, I went through those things and I created a system that I feel works. And it all started with that draft day, man. And uh, ever since then, it was quite the journey uh, up and down. Yes, of course, uh, it took a few left and right turns, but the GPS is still set on the main, uh, the main address. And I'm still, you know, maybe rerouting here and there, but still going to the same destination in my mind. Were you uh, in New Jersey on draft night? Like, were you at the rink? And oh yeah, there? man. I mean, I had I had my billet family from Halifax there. Buddies drove down to New York. My whole family, brothers, uh, brothers, my billet brothers. Yeah, I have two sisters though, and everybody was there. Everybody was there. That's uh, awesome. I have a lot of family in New York as well, so oh, they cool. were all present. Oh, perfect. A, a loud cool. trio in the rink from all the galleys <laughs> and the yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's got to be a great moment. So just because most of our listeners obviously aren't professional athletes, whatever you can tell, please do. But did you know you were going to the Habs? Like, what's the what's the process like, like leading up to that? Like, do you kind of have an idea or, you know, what? Any crazy GM stories? I mean, whatever you can tell, obviously. I mean, I'll tell what I what I tell usually is that. um, So we won the Memorial Cup. We fly back to Halifax. Two days is the celebration and, uh, you know, we go out with the team. Our families are there. There's the parade. The day after the parade, a few of us are on a flight to Toronto for the NHL Combine. The day after that, we do all these tests and some of the players opted out of the tests. They didn't do them, but I still did them. I don't know why I did them. It wouldn't have changed a thing, but here I am puking in front of the GMs for the VO2 max. And then... uh, (laughs) You're there for the weekend. You do the physical test. I swear to God, I puked in front of the GMs. And the- <laughs> that, and, that is uh, incredible. Uh, a lot of a lot of players do because you're on a bike for, I don't know, right. 50, 20, 25 minutes. And, uh, you know, I was capped. I mean, I might have been out drinking a few days before uh, for the Memorial Cup. But, hey, you know what? That's fine. You earned um, it. Yeah. <laughs> I turned 18. That was fine. And uh, nice. next thing you know, we're um, – we're doing interviews with all these teams back to back to back for the weekend. And that's the NHL combine. You do the NHL testing and then it's the um, like interviews pretty much. And I did 20 teams out of 30. And in my opinion, and this is like no word of a lie. In my opinion, I think my worst interview I had was with Montreal. So I, I, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it didn't go well with the team. I, I like growing up. doesn't matter. There's a lot of teams that have the need for goalies and blah, 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 and blah, blah. And there's a lot of talk with your agent on, you know, there's interest here because at this pick or this pick possibly, but they're not sure. But you see at the trends that teams are going in terms of goalies and stuff like that. And at the same time, on the goalie market, very volatile because some teams might say, hey, look, we're not going to pick a goalie before the fourth or fifth round. And then all of a sudden, you know, they look at the goalie coach and they say, what, what are we taking? Or the, the scouts and say, who are we taking? So it could be very volatile in terms of the goalies. Um, at that point, there was possibility I went in the first round, but it didn't really, really matter to me. And ended up that, you know, Montreal had three picks in the second and 
Pickney 36. And uh, one thing I do know is the Oilers traded their pick right after I got picked. So I don't know. Maybe I, I, I was going there or not. But, hey, it's all good. We'll see what happens uh, in this season. That's what counts, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're super excited to have you in D.C. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your your time uh, playing for Team Canada. Uh, obviously, that's, you know, a huge honor. Anytime you get to put your country's sweater on, that definitely means a lot. So you lead Team Canada to do a gold at the 2015 World Juniors. Yep. Uh, you know, it's that tournament's just such a hu- huge deal in Canada. I mean, it's, you know, we're coming up on it again. Uh, you know, as we close in on Christmas time, can you talk about just, you know, what that experience was like and what it means to win that for your country? Um, if you remember well, Canada was going through quite the drought uh, before 2015 where they hadn't won uh, in five years. And Canada does take the World Juniors very, very seriously in terms of their their uh, expectations and all that. And uh, 2014, I had played it in Sweden and we finished fourth and we lost to Russia in the bronze medal game. And it was very hard because we we really saw the reaction where, hey, look, like this is completely unacceptable to miss the podium. And um, when you, like, you know, to not have a medal, when we came back the very next year, we knew that the expectation was super high because of, you know, now we had lost five in a row. And now um, it was in Montreal and Toronto, you know, one of the biggest cities in Canada. So it, the stakes were high. We can feel it. It was awesome, man. But Hockey Canada does a great job. I say this every time. They always take all the way, all the distractions away. They take care of everything. Everything is taken care of from A to Z. You get the best food, best spots. I mean, it, it, they really take care of you. And it's, it is quite the privilege. And uh, to the, the people that got to live that know that you do feel very lucky to be a part of it. And um, it's, uh, it is a privilege. So, I was uh, very, very fortunate to be part of that as well. And I, I, my sole purpose was to just help contribute as much as I could. And that's it. That was my main focus every day when I got on the ice. I put my gear and put that jersey on. I just wanted to give a little something to the team. That's all I wanted to do. Whether I was back up that night, not playing, or in the net, I wanted to just immerse myself 100% to really give us the most I could. Because we all realized that at the end of the day, this shot is going to end. Like you only have one or two chances to be part of the world juniors. Two is being very generous. Some guys go three times, but two is very generous. And um, you really have to make the most of that opportunity. And that's, that was my sole focus. And I felt like whenever I do put the, the, the Canada Jersey, even the last few years at the Spangler cup, I do feel like I, I get in a certain zone where I can elevate. And that, that that feels real nice. This is more of a specific thing. Something I'm just kind of, personally curious about but um in in a team canada locker room like that does everybody speak french or or are there some guys that are not french canadian like how, mu- how it's much mainly all english okay it's mainly all english and even the french guys that um they're kind of you know expected to speak with everybody in english because they mm-hmm. don't want anybody left out or anything like that or anybody sense, yeah. talking behind each other's backs right, you know? right. But, so everybody's kind of expected. There's always the running joke and every hockey team in the world, probably where a French guy or two will be in a locker room, start speaking French and all the other guys are like, Hey, English. Like that's always English, English, but uh, that's been like that. Even the Canada locker room. Gotcha. So that, uh, I mean, you were lights out in that tournament. Uh, 
0.949 save percentage over five games. That's incredible. And you end up tying uh, Stefan Fissé and Marc-Andre Fleury for most wins by a Canadian goaltender at the tournament. Uh, as Americans, uh, that's insanely frustrating for us because we particularly struggled <laughs> that year with goaltending. Uh, but you know, you've always seemed to have just this great sense of motivation when it comes to these big games. Uh, is there a certain amount that just really comes to the forefront in these international games for you? Uh, you saying which games that I thought I, I was more into it or? Sorry, yeah, just, what? you know, it seems like in these big tournament games and, you know, these, like these Memorial Cup games, these international games, uh, it yeah, just seems like this laser focus that you're, you're locked yeah, in. Yeah, it, it does go. seem like that. It does seem like I, I kind of elevate it when it is in those big situations. And I think that's a good quality to have as a goalie where um, the situation arises, where you get in a zone, you know the feeling, you know where you need to be, you know what you, what kind of preparation you need. And um, this is where I find I, I do have a, <laughs> quite the privilege that I, I was in those situations quite often. Um, from my 16-year-old year in junior I got to play some some pretty long minutes, uh, long periods of time in high pressure situations at the under 17s, uh, and then we went all the way to the semifinals my first year, and then when we won the Memorial Cup and um, World Junior Training Camp, and then President's Cup, and then World Juniors of 2014, and I, I've got a lot of experience in international play and big games and Game Seven, for example. I've been in a few of those, so. Um, I think that's a significant uh, part of my journey where my experiences really helped me learn quick uh, in terms of these really, um, how can I say, high pressure situations. Like the more you go into it, the more you feel like you can really step it up. And, and I find that uh, that's been a positive factor for me in my career so far. Sure, absolutely. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, what was it like to play in the the Spengler Cup? I mean, that's got to be incredible being over there in Switzerland. Uh, you know, I've seen pictures. I've never personally been myself, but it just looks like one of the most beautiful places in the world. Switzerland is sick, uh, Nick. It's it's unreal. Like you're literally, <laughs> yeah. it's it's so sick. Like you're you're at the top of the Alps. It's literally a ski resort town. Uh, you could walk up and down it. It's so small in a few hours. It's that's awesome. Like it's the tournament is from the 25th of December to the 1st of January. Like it, it's Christmas and New Year's in the Swiss Alps. It's it's a ski resort wow. town. It's full of snow. Like like I don't know what else to say. Like the rink is full. Uh, the tournament's unreal. The atmosphere inside the rink is like first class stuff. Like literally like a soccer game. All of this trumpets, drums, like it's 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 wild, man. It's such a sick thing, and and the thing is, is you get Canadians coming from, uh, they're playing in Europe already. A lot of NHL experience guys. I played with, you know, Max Appierge, Scotty Upshaw, uh, uh, Kyle Quincy. I played with some veterans, you know, like some Mason Raymond, Campbell, Gregory Campbell. I played with like some cool NHL veterans that go there for the experience and be part of a, a sick tournament and. I was a young guy. I was 21, 23, and 24. And, and I, I again, I feel like being picked for these things, I feel very, very fortunate because that just gives me confidence that Hockey Canada wants to put me in these types of situations and they feel confident with me uh, in the net in those situations. So, you know what? I think that's very positive in my whole career and, and, and 
my confidence and my ability, but also just the experience in general. You're talking about what's it like to be in Switzerland. What do you think it's like? It's right. sick. Like, <laughs> it lives up to the hype. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're playing against, you're playing against uh, national league teams, the Swiss, the Swiss league, KHL, Czech, Czech league, Dell, Finnish, Swedish league. Like it's dope, man. It's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. Um, just want to talk a little bit more about your NHL career because I know we we only have you for X amount of time, and I want to get some of these questions in. So, um, you know, if you could just talk about what your experience was, the Habs was like. I mean, you're playing for your, you're in the organization where you grew up. I mean, that's there's got to be something said for that. It just seems like a really cool experience. If there's any memories that stick out to you. I mean, it was a very cool experience. Um, I got to play at the Bell Center for many, many preseason games. <laughs> and I got to back up some real uh, regular season games as well. So those were some really good experiences for me where I got to learn and be around the NHL club and the NHL field. And um, I got the chance to even travel the team uh, with the team for, for some real re- uh, season games. So that was very positive for me. And I think in the preseason games, it's kind of under – you do learn a lot during preseason – it's a different feel. It's not the same speed as normal NHL games are, but uh, you do get to learn a lot from it. And um, had some great training camps, played some full bell centers, really cool. Uh, but my time with the Canadians, for me, I'm going to say, was not very easy personally. I had a, I had a good first year in the pros, but then it, it, it got tougher. And, uh, you know, I went up and down in the leagues. Um, and it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows for me. And I, and I'll be the first one to talk about that where it wasn't very, you know, enjoyable at times, but it it was an experience that I obviously had to go through and I've grown a lot from it. And, um, every hockey player will face these types of situations, uh, throughout their life, throughout their, their, their career. It's not just hockey, you know, but I, I, I went through it. It was fine. Um, we could talk about my time with the Canadians for a real long time, fellas, but I'll just leave it at that where, you know, I wish I could have got the chance to play uh, in, in real games, but you know, that's just the course. That's the way that my journey went. And I moved on to other organizations and, and wanted to create new opportunities elsewhere. And that's why I'm actually kind of really excited to join the caps in this time, because um, I, I, I do feel like there's a fit and, and, do feel like I, I I'm confident in my ability now um, more than ever for myself. And I just want to help contribute to the team I'm on. And uh, if it's South Carolina, if it's Hershey to start, you know, we don't know when we're even going to start, when the NHL is going to start. There's no hard dates yet. So I'm still at home right now. I'm in Laval and I, I have to, to just wait for the go. Uh, by the time you guys air this, it could be, I could be gone tomorrow morning or I don't know. So I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I have to say about my time in, in Montreal. Obviously it was a dream, but it wasn't very easy for me personally. And I moved on to, to other opportunities. No, doubt. I mean, you got me just about ready to run through a brick wall. So I love <laughs> your message. I really do. I mean, I, I, I mean that that's a great message for, you know, players out there and just life in general, you know, you never know what people are going through and that's a, that's a great message. And I, you know, we're rooting for you. We are. Thanks, no brother. doubt. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that with us, and and congrats on the new signing. That's that's exciting stuff, and and we definitely wish the best for you there. It, this year, this year was actually quite the story in terms of the signature of the contract because I had a I had a deal in in the KHL in uh, I'm going to say 
I'm going to say May or June, even June. I, I don't remember. It's kind of a blur. COVID is kind of a blur for me. And so next thing you know, I, I had a contract in the KHL and I'm preparing and, and we weren't really allowed to train, but I was, and I was training underground with my trainer in parks and outside just to keep it clean and everything like that. And I was finding ways to really get, uh, get ready for the season because quite frankly, I could have been gone in Europe, uh, like early August or whenever they let me to be honest. Anyway, that fell through. It was very disappointing because I was training really hard to get there, but it fell through. It didn't work out. That contract didn't go through. And so I was kind of feeling down looking for other places. I'm like, geez, am I even going to get a contract this year? I wasn't getting NHL offers. Wasn't even even get AHL offers. And uh, next thing you know, I get a call from my agent and say, hey, Washington wants to talk to you on the phone. I said, he goes, uh, are you are you free tomorrow? And this is the funny part because I had like a full day. I had like I had like appointments with this, appointment, appointments with that. Uh, my dog was this. I think my girlfriend was working. Anything like that. I had a full day. <laughs> and I go to my agent. I go, yep, I'm free. Anytime you want, I'm free. You know what I mean? When uh, Washington says they want you on a conference call, I'm like, yeah, well, like you tell me. I'm a, I guess I'll be there, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I made the, I made it work. Um, I had a great conversation with the goalie coaches. Uh, we were literally five goalies on, on the call. The goalie coaches, myself, assistant GM, and – And my agent, which is another goalie when he played. So we had a great talk and uh, we really hit it off. And next thing you know, in the next couple of days, I had signed a contract. So uh, it was quite the turn of events. And I'm not going to tell you that it wasn't an emotional roller coaster because definitely was, man. Like I had a contract somewhere else. Then I was feeling real down. We couldn't even train, couldn't do anything. Everybody's stuck at home, man. It was tough mentally, but. This was a great opportunity. It gave me a lot of confidence, gave me a lot of motivation for the summer and worked real hard to get to where we are now. So I I hope they call me right after this to say we have to go play, man. <laughs> me too. That would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Nick, if you want to drive the train for the last couple uh, questions we have here. Yeah. Uh, is there, um, you know, is there anyone that, you know, you can sort of attribute like, Hey, this person really helped me out in my journey. I mean, this could be peewee, you know, this could be up through juniors or, you know, like one of your parents, you know, uh, one of the billet families you stayed with, you know, a, a coach, a goalie coach. Is there someone that just stands out to you? There's a lot of people I could talk about for, um, uh, a while, uh, that have helped me in my life. Uh, but I, I do tell this story a lot, and this was a, a, a moment in my life that w- that very much changed the course of you know how I was thinking at the time. I was telling you when I was in Montreal, I had a tough time at some point. When I was in Brampton, I mentally I was really looking for myself, and I, I was having a tough time. Um, and I remember my dad um, just prior to that, he had a, a kind of a health scare, and uh, he ended up at the hospital and and made it all right. He's all right now, much much more healthy than he was. He's, he's great now. A lot of people don't recognize him because how, how he looks now. But what I wanted to say was I had a day with my dad in Niagara Falls where uh, I really believe with the wisdom he gave me and the talk we had throughout the day, he, he really changed the way I thought and looked at things from that moment on. It really kind of was, if you were looking at a TSN turning point, this was really a TSN turning point for me in my life and my career and stuff like that. And since then I've really changed the way I think. And um, you're talking about one person. I'm going to go with my dad and my dad has been a source of inspiration for me since I'm just a young boy. 
And um, I think we all have that type of person in our lives and uh, whether it's our dad, a friend or whatever, but I do have great friends that I could, I could call anytime good or bad situation. Thinking of a couple individuals in my mind right now, they probably know who they are um, that you need to have those people in your corner. And that's the most important thing. Uh, good times, bad times, uh, you know, you need people in your corner. And, uh, I, I had some great people. My father really helped me throughout whatever happened. My mom as well, obviously she's my number one cheerleader, but my <laughs> father, he, he, he transmitted some wisdom to me that has really helped me, uh, in my everyday life. Amen. Amen. Um, Nicolette. No, I mean, that's great to hear. Uh, you know, you absolutely nailed it. I feel like, you know, everyone sort of needs that person in their life. And it's it's great that you were able to, you know, have that connection with your dad. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about this company that you're involved with, Living Sisu. Um, beauty. Yeah. What's that like? Yeah, I, Beauty, man. Thanks for uh, changing gears. I didn't want to be a downer there. I just wanted to share kind of my experience and, and how I was inspired uh, to change positively. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Living Sisu, man. So uh, you guys probably looked it up a little bit, kind of asked yourself questions. We'll talk later. We'll give you guys some premium memberships. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, basically, look, um, Living Sisu is is free app we just, we uh, created. And to give you a little background, Sisu itself is a Finnish word in origin. I think it dates all the way back to like the Vikings. <laughs> that's how... That's how uh, far back this concept of the sisu goes and what it means it represents like determination resilience tenacity courage you know perseverance anything that has to do with guts and grit it really encompasses all these concepts together to create the sisu and in finland a lot of people take this extremely seriously it's a very important concept in their culture so um we created living sisu to educate people on why it's so important to be physically active and to make sports more accessible. That's, that's literally A to Z. Our motto is activate your lifestyle. Like I'm a big, like people in my life know that I take it very seriously in terms of nutrition and sleep and all that. See, I'm, I'm wearing the blue light blockers, you know, like I need to get my eight hours tonight. They look great. (laughs) Thanks. Um, like they're, they're super, um, in terms of making sports accessible, that's, that's our mission, uh, living Sisu. And uh, if, if you go on our on our website, you're going to see we're partners with 670 already. We're not even six months into this project and we have 70, 75 partners already offering multiple sports discounts, which is really cool because you have these discounts as a Living, C, Living Sisu member for free. And this makes sports more accessible to people. And we, we try and educate as much as we can on the importance of it all and to have healthy habits and to put a little bit more Sisu in everyday life. And we create some great events as well to really kind of give the opportunity for people to activate. And uh, it's been really, really great journey uh, to, to be part of building Living Sisu, guys. Uh, I would love for you guys to join our little community and take advantage of all the discounts. Yeah, I mean, yes, Cyber Monday just passed, but Christmas is coming. So. If you're a sports guy, honestly, it's actually a no-brainer to join join Living Sisu. I, it's it's we're having a lot of fun with it. Awesome. I mean, that's so good to hear. You know, you talk about making sports accessible. I, you know, the three of us can tell you, and I'm sure you can attest to this. You know, growing up, hockey gear is not cheap. So, I mean, it, it's really hard to get that stuff to work. And then, you know, especially now with these kids coming out of 
you know, being teenagers and they already have their own power skating coach. I mean, there is such a disparity. I mean, it is, yeah. it is ridiculous. So it's great to see that you're doing that and, you know, getting out there to help, you know, like you said, accessibility, making it, you know, cause the game is for everyone. So it's great to see that yeah, <clears throat> you're doing strides to make that happen. And that's literally one of the inspirations. Like, look, I'm a goalie and my two partners, okay. With living season, the guys that started it were three goalies. So we know it's expensive. <laughs> like it's, it, it is. And that's really the main, uh, inspiration behind that is that we want to inspire others to be part of it to share that mentality and mindset of the sisu like i told you words like perseverance resilience tenacity courage like these are powerful words in the sports community and if we're all part of that and we share that and we we kind of live the sisu every day we just lift sports to an, a whole other level, you know, and it's not just for hockey people. It's for every single sport from running to freaking snowboarding to, to speed walking. I don't care. Like it's for everybody, <laughs> mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. It really is. You know, uh, even, even my, my dog, Stella, she's the official Sisu dog. So at go. the end of the day, like <laughs> it's really for everybody. We're having a lot of fun guys. And, um, at the end of the day, we just want to inspire people to get, um, in sports and you guys know, all the values and, and the lessons you've learned from just being a part of a team. <laughs> I mean, tough times you go through, adversity, winning, losing. These are all valuable, valuable things in life. And the Living Sisu community is all about really sharing that experience and inspiring others. And you know what? We're on the pod- on your podcast right now, but I'm probably going to have you guys on our podcast, which is the Inspire podcast with Living Sisu. Would Cisu. love to. Hell yeah. I would, you know, really, it would mean a lot for me, for uh, your listeners to check out our podcast. We're going to be launching ours, I think, in 2021, January 2021. So uh, we're in the process like of, of really recording them all right now. But we're having lots of fun. Check out livingsisu.com. It's so many sports discounts um, that you can get uh, for free. And, and, and we're having a lot of fun. Our app is coming out in the next week. I love I love the message. I really do. And uh, I think it's a cool, cool company name that you have. Honestly, I think it'll bring some awareness to, uh, you know, how you got about that. Like you just mentioned, uh, you know, I, we really can't thank you enough. We've spent the last hour with you and, you know, we're, we're running a little long here. I guess last question is that's fine. <laughs> assuming you don't get a phone call tomorrow saying, you know, we're playing the NHL on Jan one. What's what's the Christmas season look like for you? Do you go with family anywhere? You know, what's what's the what's going on? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to make any commitments because at this point, I know I know that there's a lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty around um, my schedule. Um, the thing is, is like you said, I don't know if I could be gone in one, two days, three days. Uh, so the main thing is keeping myself as ready as possible, uh, getting my ice time in, getting my, my workouts in, uh, making sure I'm sleeping right and eating right. This is the last little home stretch. We didn't all go through nine months of this confinement at home to uh, ruin your training with some 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 unmo- unmotivated decisions and bad decisions right before the season starts. So for myself, I just want to stay the course, stay the path, make sure I stay disciplined. For me, discipline is, is a huge part of my uh, kind of regimen and system to, to, to play well, actually to just try and play well. And um, next thing you know, I'll be gone and we'll get this thing underway. I'm really confident that, you know, we'll friggin' we'll figure it out and we'll get out there. I, I just can't wait to get started though. I'm really getting anxious, anxious as, as probably are you, but at the end of the day, 
I just want to stay ready, get my ice time in, get my works out, workouts and make sure I, I, I stay, I make the right choice and uh, I'm ready for the season, man. Yeah. yeah, we're we're all getting jittery, and it'll finally give us something to talk about again. Yeah, we're so. all ready. <laughs> we're all ready for the this first season. shifts. Are going to be high, high uh, energy, oh, yeah. and then it's just going to be all downhill. For you guys. <laughs> just downhill energy. Yeah, oh. we're going to be coming out of the gate with a sprint. Uh, <laughs> Zach, honestly, thank you so much. I we really can't thank you enough. Appreciate it. Thank you Love for that. the tips in terms of the podcast and everything. You guys to help us out. And uh, man, yeah, you can you can reach out to me anytime. I'm accessible on on the Instagram and, and all that. And just uh, send me a message, and I'll come back anytime you guys want, mid season or anything like that. You just let me know. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. This was awesome. We really appreciate it. We're rooting for you. Good luck yeah. this season. Appreciate you, fellas. Thanks, man. Uh, wow. I mean, huge thank to Zach Fucali. That was an unbelievable chance for us to get to talk with him. That was so much fun. I mean, the guy's got, you know, stories for days and has just accomplished so much so far in his career. And I really think the best is yet to come for this guy. I can't wait to see him in the Caps system. And uh, I think one day we'll be seeing him in a Caps uniform. So I'm really excited for that. No doubt. And, you know, all you hockey players out there, you wonder why, you know, what do you do as soon as your game's over? Whether you win or lose, you go greet your goaltender, you go give him a tap on the pads, you wonder why. It's because it's a really important position, as he talked about in the interview. And and that's somebody that, no doubt, uh, he he said it better than any of us can, but every save is super important in every game. And uh, it's always fun getting to know some of the goaltenders that don't always get to show their uh, personality as much as the goal scorers. Yeah, I mean, just kind of piggybacking off that. Thank you, Zach, for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Um, that was awesome. Just a lot of a lot of fun in general. So, yeah, and uh, I think that about wraps it up for us. Uh, if you guys listened to the interview and enjoyed it, uh, be sure to you know follow us on social media, follow us on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. Go ahead and check out Living Sisu, that Zach's company. They're doing some amazing stuff with just making sports accessible and available to everyone, which is definitely something that we can relate to as hockey guys. Uh, and it's just really good to see the outreach they're doing within their own community and abroad. Uh, be sure to check out Brackish Life. They have some amazing sales going on during the... Cyber Monday, Black Friday, Black Friday, whatever holiday nonsense that's going on. I know a lot of you out there, like myself, are procrastinating Christmas gifts till the end. So Brackish Life has you covered with everything. Hoodies, t-shirts, tech shirts for when you're out on the water. They're light, they're comfortable, and they keep the sun off of you, which is great. That's so some sharp-looking apparel, too. It's, it's, it's incredible, yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. And for all our DC and Maryland listeners, you know, go give Zach a follow on Insta. I mean, he's obviously new to the organization. Get get the following up. You know, he's he's doing a, he did a lot for us on this, so uh, we appreciate it. Anything else? Final notes? You all good? I got nothing. Good. All right, then. Well, that'll wrap it up for episode fifty-one of Empty Betters. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate the love as always. And without further ado, class dismissed.